prison break. Jailbreak. Jailbait. I don't know. Jailbait? Wait a minute. I have a whole new story. (laughs) Oh, yay. Let's all talk about our jailbaiting stories. Hey. What's up? I used to use that to get into concerts for free because members of emo bands in the 2000s were really sketchy and a little too into 15-year-old girls. Yep. It was like they liked you more because you were 15. Oh, yeah. Pedophiles. Pedophiles. Wait, did I ever tell you about the guy from karaoke? I yes. Yes, you I absolutely did. When you were like 11 or something? 12. You were 12. Close I was enough. 12. It was 12 or 13. But this guy, he was like easily like mid-30s or early 40s. I can't remember which. I might have been early 40s. But anyway, he wanted to take a picture with me, which was weird enough yeah. as is. But he had been coming to this karaoke place for a while. So my mom and I knew him, and we were like, I guess it's harmless. And so I took a picture with him, and then the next time we show up, I'm his desktop background. Yeah, he brought his fuck, well, his laptop background, but I'm just like, what the fuck? It was real weird. It was real weird. And Yikes. he, like, brought his laptop specifically to show us, which that, I feel like is stranger. That to is To bring stranger. it to a karaoke bar. That's really weird, especially back then. Was it, like, that shitty blocky Dell laptop? Like, Yeah, no, it was not tiny. Like, it's this big fucking thing that it's he like, brought to a bar. It's not like MacBook Airs existed back then or no. iPads or anything. Fuck, that's so creepy. It's weird. Yeah, fucking I, Florida. I, fucking Florida. <laughs> well, I remember the very first time an older dude hit on me on purpose knowing my age creeped the living fuck out of me. I was 13. I was in 8th grade with my friends. We went to the movies because that's the only thing you can fucking do in 8th grade. Go to the movies, go to the mall. Yeah. That was kind of your choices. That's the go-to. One or, one or the other. Or a school event. <laughs> and um, this guy in our group from school brought... Oh! I did it again! Thank you for the follow. Was that Carlos? Carlos? Carlos. Carlos. I'm assuming it's Carlos. Thank you for the follow. Um, Anyways, so this guy in our group brought his older cousin, who was 21. Uh Uh-huh. He was a 21-year-old dude choosing to hang out with 8th graders. And I thought maybe the kid's parents forced the cousin to come as, like, a chaperone. Right. Which I would totally understand as someone whose parents were, like, about that chaperone life. No, no. No, no. It was to hit on the 13-year-old girls, such as myself. And we went to go see a movie. As a group, there was, like, a ton of us. And afterwards, he approaches me and he goes, Hey, like, would you like to go to a movie just you and me sometime? And I said, Oh, I'm sorry. I know I look older. Because at the time, I very much did look older. (laughs) And this happened to me a lot. (laughs) Yeah. But I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I know I do look older, but I'm actually only 13. Most guys would go, oh, my God, I'm so sorry for breathing the same air as you and, like, dip out. Right. This guy just goes. Half, maybe. Florida. Florida. (laughs) This guy just went, so. And I was like, uh. And goodbye. What the fuck? And I freaked out, and I told my friend Ashley, and I was like, oh, my God. I forgot his name. But so-and-so asked me on a date, and she was like, so are you going to go? And I was like, no, he's 21. And she's like, yeah, but he's cute. And I was like, I'm 13. I've never kissed a boy. Why the fuck? No. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 
freaked me out. Like, I just got this enormous Stranger Danger vibe where I was like, I have to go home and, like, play with Barbies. Like, <laughs> I have to remind myself of how old I am. I, I gotta Obviously, go. people are forgetting. I gotta fucking go. <laughs> but back to Jill Break. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I, uh... It took me a while to find something. I think it was, like, down to the last, like, 30 minutes because I swear to God, if they made a true life time management story, I would be a fucking star. About Um, time management? About not having any. About not having any. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. True life, I have no time management. When it it comes to me and my time management, I'm, um, like, okay, like, half of the time. The other half of the time, I'm like... Well, it's last minute. Time to just do everything. No, I'm a straight up potato. I feel that though. I have the time management skills of a potato, but it's fine. It gets done. Eventually. It gets done. That's the beauty of being potatoes. good at <laughs> procrastination. Procrastination potatoes. <laughs> procrastination potatoes. Yeah, that's what it. that's what school always taught me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like it'll it'll get done. Very rarely did I just straight up not do a paper or a project. Mm-hmm. Like one time, the very first time I straight up just didn't do a project is in fifth grade where I was like, what are they going to do? It turns out fail you. <laughs> but, Shocking. <laughs> but this just did. Here's what. I still passed fifth grade. So who's counting? No yeah. one's looking at my fifth grade grade records. <laughs> Sixth yeah. grade don't care about my fifth grade grade record. We just can't tell the children this. <laughs> no, 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 no. If you're in fifth grade, do that project. Everything counts. It's it was, on your permanent record. It was a dumb project. The project was literally, uh, like, make a timeline of the next ten years of your life. And, like, Gross. I literally could have just stood up there and been like, yeah, this is what I did. Which I think I did. I think they called me up and I think I stood up and just, like, said it. And then they were like, well, where is I was supposed to have, like, a physical thing and I was like, I left it at home. And then never brought uh, it in. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had this one teacher in high school who, um, I was in a really rowdy class, right? Mm-hmm. And I was the only one who, like, we had weekly projects where we, like, turned in this workbook and and however many pages had to be done. And then yeah. she would check it every week and blah, blah, blah. And she gave out this big project where we had to do, like... I don't know, we usually do, like, a chapter or maybe two, and she gave out, like, seven or something that had to be done. And so I had done literally none <laughs> at all because I just didn't feel like it, I guess. I didn't feel And I was just like, like I don't – I have no plan. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I guess I'm just going to bring it up there and cry. I don't know. So I walk up with my book. Amazing. And I sit down. And she's like, so did you do it? And I was like, mm-hmm. And she's like, you don't have to show me. I know you did. You always do. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, thank you so much. All right, bye. And just dipped. And I got a fucking A. <laughs> Something very similar happened to my mom in high school. So my mom told me. So my mom was a total slacker. Like, you didn't know that looking at her. But right. she fucking was. But she was also, like, such a good member of society. She was on drill team, was part of student council and a part of all kinds of bullshit for the school and majority of the time did all of her work and did pretty okay on tests right so she kind of got a pass when other students might not have i gotta kick cheese out this is yeah, too much he is on a rampage i right now. it's not about food it's literally over attention i fed this cat too much today he knows he was like all right i'll leave like he fucking knew like, i get it i get it he's like ah, yeah you don't gotta tell me twice 
Anyways, so she told me that one day she just straight up didn't do, like, a paper, because back then papers were handwritten and uh, not saved on a computer anywhere. I know, amazing. That's wild. I know. (laughs) And, like, in cursive or something. She felt sick at school and threw up all over her book bag in class. And the teacher came up and was like, oh, was your paper in your book bag? And she goes, yeah. And she goes, it's okay. Like, I know you did it. And, like, just did that exact same thing. Yes. It's the best. (laughs) It's the best fucking thing. Just keep a good reputation, and then it pays off eventually sometimes. So back, back on this podcast. To, back to our podcast. Um, Wait, let me sneeze first because it's going to be good. Yeah, now that we're done talking about how we were bad students um, <laughs> and somehow still managed to graduate college out of, we just didn't have anything else we wanted to do at the time. We were like, well, I'm in this college thing. I might as well finish it. Yeah, that's basically I didn't, how that That's went. basically how that went. Like, if I had some other opportunity present itself, I probably would have been like, all right, later, college. Yeah, no, I tried. I think on several I, occasions. I tried to drop out, okay? College wouldn't <laughs> let me drop out. I was like, I'm going to be a star. <laughs> Not my fault. I'm so mad you didn't get that Beetlejuice gig. Beetlejuice gig? Remember when we first met and you auditioned for the Beetlejuice show at Universal? Oh, fuck. Yeah, you did yeah. really well. You got a callback. I was, like, so yeah. certain you were going to get that. And I was like, hell I yeah. I forgot about that. I was like, hell yeah. She's no, like, that was a blessing in disguise. One of my it? exes uh, worked there and I, that I ghosted. Yikes. <laughs> what? You ghosted an ex? What the fuck is wrong with you? Okay, it wasn't that serious. It just, like, it was serious for, like, two days, and I was like, all right, bye. I'm over oh, this. well, yeah, that's, like, hardly an ex. Yeah, it was, like, <laughs> but it was, like, there was past, it, whatever, that's a story for a different day. Anyway, he's found his wife there, oh. and now they're married, and they have a beautiful child, so uh, it's really... It all worked out. Everything happens for a reason. It all worked out. Yes. Um. So, what inspired this prison break episode I was wondering me? that. Yeah, like, where did I come with the idea of prison break or jail break um, was I recently was reminded of this website I used to visit, which I mentioned in a previous episode called Badass of the Week, and I mentioned that in our survival episode, the girl who I described as basically Laura Croft, who survived a plane crash and survived right. on Amazon for three days. Um, there was another story I read that I remembered um, about this dude who I'm going to talk about. Okay. Well, I might get to him. The thing is, is it turns out when I found out you weren't doing Alcatraz, I was like, that one's too... Now I kind of want to do that. I was like, that one's too interesting and intricate to not talk about. You know what I mean? But anyways, there's this really awesome dude in Greece in the 90s who was just... His nickname is Robin... Greek Robin Hood, uh, where he would kidnap super rich people, hold them for ransom... And then collect the money and then give it to all of the, like, poor people in his, like, village and other towns and whatnot, mm-hmm. right? And he was, like, really, really good at it. He, like, had gotten his inspiration from um, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> <laughs> well. And, uh, <laughs> like, action films. He became obsessed with action films okay. in, in the 80s when he and his brother would run around stealing VCRs and uh, stealing from video store. I am mad about it. <laughs> and so he became obsessed with action films and decided to be Greek Robin Hood and was really fucking good at it. That's dope. And so, you know what? I'm just going to talk about it. Just do it. I'm just going to fucking your, do it. It's your time to go first anyway. 
Yeah, I'm going to do it, and then I'll go in Alcatraz. I have a lot written about him, but I'm just going to really try to summarize it. Okay. Because okay? I have two, two. Yeah. The only reason I didn't do the first one, because it sounds like something straight out of a fucking movie. Yeah. But... It's about these really shitty people, and it's really fucking shitty that they got out of jail and Aww. what they did after. So I was like, I want to talk about it, but I also hate them. So, <laughs> so um, my two stories is there's this one, which is about just, like, a boss-ass dude who was just nuts. And then the other one was about just really fucking crafty-ass people. Um, I wouldn't describe either of them as, like, super bad people. Right. But, you know. More Robin Hood. They all just rob people. And you know what? At least none of them were murderers. Yeah, that's the important <laughs> thing. Okay, so um, his name was Vasilis. Um, I should say this because I grew up Vasilis. Bakatuka. No, Vasilis. It's pronounced wrong. Vasilis. Um, Paleocostas. Vasilis Paleocostas is his name. He was born May 17th, 1966. Pretty much he grew in a super rural town in Greece and to the point where like they were kind of goat farmers but like poor goat farmers and the village that he grew up in, the villagers were known as locally as the heroes, like all of them. Because um, not only for surviving the brutal conditions of the mountains but for doing so without shoes. Meaning they were all so it was insane how they were able to survive the conditions of where they lived. A lot of people say Vasilis may have been a thief, but not a criminal, because he was actually beloved by a huge majority of people in Greece because he would only, you know, Robin Hood, steal from the rich, give to, give the, to poor, the poor, kind of a thing. Pretty much he, I keep saying pretty much, I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I didn't notice what you pointed out. Yeah, it's I'm because it's because it I'm time. making an effort to not say like every other word. Uh, and I've now replaced that with pretty much. Don't know why. It's just, <laughs> which one's better? Which one's better? <laughs> Vote now! Ah. <laughs> Regardless, I have to edit both out <laughs> to make myself not sound as dumb. <laughs> so, he worked in a cheese factory for a couple of years, and then he was like, well, fuck this shit, because... He basically felt like he was working as a wage slave in this factory and was suffering against capitalist exploitation, and he just got this huge idea to just fight that. So what you're saying is his cheese job didn't get him the cheddar? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) But where's the cheddar? You mean the feta. The feta. The feta. Because they're Greek. Okay. (laughs) So pretty much once he quit, as a mountain boy, he had no other skills other than stealing to make his living. Honestly, that's an excuse, but fuck it. He was good at stealing, it turns out. Between uh, 1979 and 1986, Vasilis and his older brother Nikos were allegedly responsible for 27 robberies, mostly the theft of video recorders. Oh, okay. Um, Video recorders. Yeah, so they stole, like, video cameras, but they also stole, like, VCRs and movies and stuff and whatever. Things relating to video and movies. Was it because they were things that could be sold? I'm not actually sure. I couldn't find an explanation as to why they stole that. I can't imagine that there's a lot of poor photographers just... Well, here's the thing. Their town where they grew up in didn't have electricity. So electricity was new to them. And I think they just wanted to steal electronics. And so being new to electricity in general... 
Vasilis uh, became very hooked on action movies, and his family described that he was really into, like, Rocky, Schwarzenegger films. Did I say that right? Schwarzenegger. 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 Films, and uh, Clint Eastwood's film is Escape from Alcatraz. Clint Eastwood has a movie about escaping Alcatraz, which I will talk about that escape, (laughs) because that happened in 62. So this is after the Alcatraz escape. Okay. In my opinion, his real story starts in the early 90s, 1992, which is when he went on an insane crime spree of just armed robbery, blackmail, extortion, and kidnapping. Basically, like I said earlier, he would kidnap super rich assholes, hold them for a ridiculous ransom, and then sell them back to the family in exchange for giant piles of... Cold hard cash. Moolah! The cheddar he wasn't making at that cheese factory. Yeah, he was stealing that feta, that cheddar. That feta cheddar. That feta cheddar, you know? And he was giving it to the people who needed can't feta. eat. They needed it. They, they needed their... their like, where's my cheese? Where's my cheese? <laughs> um, so he'd take that, that feta, and uh, he'd keep a small percentage for himself. You know, tax for work. Right, of um, course. But distribute the rest of it to impoverished farmers of tiny rural providences where he grew up. And around where he grew up. Uh, he pretty much, like I said earlier, made a very quick name for himself, Robin Hood of Greece. What happened? But he was beloved by everyone except for the police and authority of the country. Right, of course. Um, like, that damn Spider-Man. Even the people he kidnapped came out later and said that he was very polite and respectful <laughs> to them while they were in captivity. And that it was pretty much the most pleasant kidnapping they'd ever experienced. <laughs> through a lot of these and this is by far the best the best one this is my like... yelp review is five stars this kidnapping has been a great experience 1010 would be kidnapped again there you go um, this dude was awesome he also had a personal vow to never harm anyone during any of his crimes oh right baby. so he would try to never hurt make anyone injured or kill anyone, nothing. He didn't ever want to harm anyone at all. And he has been completely true to his word. He never hurt or harmed anybody. And just like any hero, he has a trusty sidekick. A l- lunatic. Albanian named Alket oh. <laughs> Rizai. And I say lunatic because this dude is fucking nuts. Because this dude is a huge fan of firearms. Oh, okay. Um, he's kind of like the Friar Tuck in the story. Um, only instead of being a benevolent staff-swinging priest, the clergyman was a crazy gunman with a hair trigger and a penchant for uh, firing automatic weapons at heavily armed tactical police officers. Oh, something so, tells me this doesn't go well. <laughs> so Rizai was up on charges for murder. So while uh, Vasilis never harmed or killed anyone can't say the same for his partner yikes yeah but he was up for charges for murder back in 2009 i haven't been able to find any details about it since or why he was up for murder but my guess it has something to do with the time that he blew up a known mafia hangout by shooting it with a fucking rocket launcher (laughs) so uh, I don't know. That sounds like that would kill people. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, the downside to having a career as a criminal, even a happy-go-lucky one who commits nonviolent crimes, 
in the name of oppressed populace. Uh, eventually... Is that you get to shoot bazookas? Because that still sounds like a plus. Eventually, <laughs> they were, in fact, arrested. Oh. In 1995. So it went on an intense three-year crime spree. They were caught by the police, both of them. Convicted of kidnapping, robbery, and weapons charges, as at the time that no one had been harmed. So, Rizai, I don't think he committed murder until the 2000s. And it was, murder! And it was unrelated to Vasilis. Oh. Because Vasilis never had any murder charges. So, um, I like to think that he tries to keep him in check, like, no, we're not killing anybody. And he's like, but I'm gonna shoot everyone! Put it down! <laughs> yeah, so, they were sent to a federal penitentiary penitentiary known as Corridolos Prison. Over the years, Corridolos Prison has gained a reputation as being one of the harshest and most brutal prisons in Greece. Kind of compared it to that stupid plastic box that they keep Magneto inside in the X-Men movies, you know, where they're just like hella contained. The warden is just a hard ass. <laughs> There right. it is. There it was. Yeah. I'm wiping your... I tried. It was on my hands. I tried so hard. <laughs> I was trying to warn you, and in the process, I sneezed It was right when my hand was over here. I was like, no. Oh, my God. That's fine. You're <laughs> Welcome fine. to the splash zone. <laughs> Welcome to... All right. So. Uh, so the warden was a hard ass. Guards don't give a flying fuck, so they probably brutally beat up the inmates, all kinds of non-fuckery, and people that go inside the facility never come out, except this motherfucker. So he was in prison from 1995 till 2006, 11 years. In June 2006, Paleo Costas, his older brother who is also another pathological criminal who is now serving jail time on 16 counts of armed robbery. And when I say now, I mean back when I, this was posted about in 2009. Uh-huh. So might not be still in prison. I couldn't, my issue is when I looked up all these people individually, I couldn't find a whole lot. It just kept right. bringing me back to uh, Vasilis. Big boy. Yeah. Anyways, he straight up commandeered a helicopter, which tells me he stole one. <laughs> yeah. If commandeered is the term we're using. Commandeered a helicopter and just straight up flew it to the prison and just landed it in the fucking yard. The prison yard. Wait, is this the guy who helped other inmates get out? No. Okay, never mind. Um, no, he did not. There's one guy who literally escaped prison three times. <laughs> They're pretty sure he was using the same fucking helicopter. Like, they tried to transport was him that using a helicopter. I don't remember, but okay. they got him on the, like, his friends helped him take over this helicopter, and then they got away, and then he fucking comes back and picks up, like, 20 inmates and just, like, starts I think I read about that, dude. He, pur out. he purposefully got, like, arrested again to yeah. knock him out. Yeah. It was. <laughs> <laughs> what oh, a hero. Guy. What a fucking what man. What a fucking man. All right. Um, so I read somewhere that they were actually inspired by a recent prison break that happened in France right before this in 2006 that they escaped by helicopter. And I think that somehow um, Paleo Costas uh, had some sort of way of contact with the outside in order to organize this. Mm -hmm. so I think his crazy-ass brother was like, they used a fucking helicopter. Let's just fucking use a helicopter. What's the worst that can happen? We're all wanted criminals. Yep. You know? 
So, um, yeah, he just straight up landed. He landed the helicopter in the yard. Okay. <laughs> Which is what... Choices. So, uh, the armed guards at Corridolos, uh, not expecting to be subjected to such an unbelievable display of gigantic steel-plated testicles in their face <laughs> in that moment, assumed that the chopper belonged to the warden right. or the chief of prisons or, or anybody who is an inmate. Something that makes sense. Right. And instead of investigating it, they were all freaking out for themselves, trying to keep their own jobs, and were making sure their shoes were appropriately fucking shined and shit buttoned up and whatever. Vasilis, who had somehow orchestrated this entire operation and his Albanian buddy, simply walked up to the helicopter, hopped inside, and lifted off. They just strolled on in and said bye. And so by the time the guards realized what the fuck just happened and started firing their guns, it was too late. They had escaped. (laughs) So then a nationwide manhunt began for the Greek Robin Hood officers, dogs, federal agents, just all over the countryside looking for this dude. Just day and night, relentlessly following leads and doing everything in this power to get him. This sounds like, um, fuck, what are those brothers? The guys who made, uh, No Country for Old Men. Yeah, the, um, the, I almost just said Jonas Brothers. Not Jonas! <laughs> Definitely not Jonas! Um, fuck! Something. The Cohen Brothers. Cohen Brothers! It sounds yes. like a Cohen Brothers film. Yes! Am I wrong? Yes! I'm shocked there is no movie about this man. He's insane. Cohen Brothers, hear us out. Here's <laughs> out, got the dude. plot for you. So, oh, there's more. There's so... But Kelly, wait. But wait. <laughs> this guy's balls are so big. It's stupid. I don't know how he walks. So, um... <laughs> Wheelbarrows. Paleo Costas uh, evaded them for two and a half years. He lived in the mountains outside Athens, evaded all attempts to recapture him, and even orchestrated another high-profile kidnapping in the process. Snatching a powerful CEO industrialist, ransoming him for a huge wad of cash, and once again distributing the loot to local farmers and families. There are also rumors that he planned and executed another kidnapping while he was still incarcerated, which is just bonus points. He's like, I'm getting out of here. This is a keep me. This is a bonus, no matter how you look at it. So in August of 2008. He was tracked down and recaptured by the Greek police, and he was placed in a different maximum security facility where he was held for another six months. Okay. Awaiting trial for his bold-as-fuck escape back in 2006, so he had to, like, you know, was being charged for that now. This is fairly recent, then. Yeah, this is the 2000s. Oh, shit. So, uh, on February 21st, 2009, ten years ago, which feels recent, but I guess it isn't. Vasilis Peliokostas was transferred back to his old prison, Corridelos Prison. His trial was to begin on the 23rd, two days after the transfer, and he was to stay in his former holding area while he stood trial for the crime, but he never made it to trial. Ah. Because guess what? The day after he was transferred... February 22nd, another fucking helicopter. <laughs> he robbed his way out of that hood. <laughs> another helicopter showed up in the skies above the prison. 
It flew over a large tower of the prison, lowered a long rope, to which he and Alcat again, both of them, climbed onto and flew off <laughs> into the distance. That's beautiful. This is starting to sound like a romance uh, oh, story. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And <laughs> this that's, is a romantic comedy. That time when this happened, the prisoners of the prison cheered. Oh, yes. Of course they did. So Greek, I would too. Greek police being like, no fucking way. Open fire on the chop on the chopper as it flew off, but a woman in the chopper, a hot woman. I'm assuming in my mind she's hot. A hot and she's woman. She's got leather on. Returned fire with an AK-47 assault yes! rifle. Yes. And <laughs> sure she was a redhead and her name was Kelly. <laughs> and now having hot Greek babes with automatic weapons come save your ass from prison just isn't the sort of thing that happens These every day. These people are my heroes. <laughs> <laughs> So that's just how things work out when you're just as badass as this motherfucker. So the police eventually tracked down that helicopter and found that it had been ditched on the side of a road outside Athens <laughs> with a bullet hole in the gas tank. Oh, no. <laughs> and according to the pilot, which I don't know how they found or got a hold of the pilot, but apparently Paleo Costas and his associates left the chopper and drove off on motorcycles to an undisclosed what location. The fuck? And now it's fast and furious. What's happening? <laughs> they also popped some totally bitchin' wheelies while doing so, or at least they did in my imagination. And they did it because... all in full leather. Please. Oh, uh, yes. Obviously, full they, leather. they changed in the copter. So, um, oh, man. Yeah, Vasilis uh, not only earned his freedom for the second time and once again showed the world that his ball sack is roughly <laughs> the size of a small continent, but he also got some sweet, delicious revenge on the motherfuckers in charge of the Greek prison system at the same time. So, the punishment for allowing the same fucking guy to escape the same goddamn prison in the same exact manner twice the Greek government fired the country's chief of prisons, the inspector general of prisons, the warden of the prison, and three guards of the facility. <laughs> they all learned what it meant means to step to somebody as awesome as the Greek Robin Hood. So to summarize, Vasilis Piliokostas is fucking rad because he kicked ass, won the respect of the people, said fuck you to the police, and managed to single-handedly place the country's three top prison-ranking officials in the back of the unemployment line. He is still at large. That's awesome. He's still at large. I love him. This is why I wanted to do a prison break episode was this motherfucker. Okay, now it makes sense. Now you get I it. I knew it. You know what? Now I you get it. it. I literally looked at your text and I was like... She's got a really good story. She's got a story. <laughs> <laughs> she has something that she wants to talk about real bad, because what the fuck? Oh, my um, God. But, yeah, I remember reading that story, and I was like, why don't I already... Why doesn't everyone know about this? Why is it... I, I want, like, a thousand movies. I want to... I know. I don't know. Maybe Jason Momoa. Maybe fucking Jason Statham. You know who is Greek? No, he wouldn't be the same age range, oh, though. Great, it would great. be... Uh, John Stamos. John motherfucking Stamos. I would have accepted that. I would 100% accept that. Yeah. He's hot enough still, and he's like 50-something. And he's Greek. And he's Greek. It's perfect. Give it to him. Let's go. And then, like, we'll give the his sidekick a, a comedian 
Yeah. But oh, like yeah. a gun happy comedian. Oh my god. Somebody's on sorry. I don't know. Aziz, <laughs> somebody make this movie. He's absolutely not Albanian, but fuck it. He's Indian. I don't know. It's completely different. It's totally different. But I don't know any Albanian actors. I'm sorry. I don't. But I don't. Aziz would be really he would be funny. he'd just be funny sidekick i think that he'd role. be really funny especially if he was obsessed with like explosives like a rocket launcher <laughs> like a fucking rocket launcher <laughs> i wonder if there's any famous albanian actors i'm just gonna look it up yeah look just it up. for my own just curious Good, albanian I need actors anyway. in usa eliza dushku get the fuck out of here eliza dushku is the girl who drives the helicopter fucking faith yes so only hot women are showing up and so and this, oh, I love and this hot, hot guy named ajim something he looks like um that one guy um, from vampire diary yes ian yeah. summer summer holder yes yes yeah he's honestly like i prefer this guy over ian summer holder because he he's not as cartoonish looking yeah <laughs> he looks like a real person you look like a real version of ian Sommerholder. Like, look at a that. Real like here you can see he has skin blemishes like he's a real person <laughs> i love his act i you know what <laughs> honestly that makes me feel better than someone who's just like porcelain skin i'm like you're not i have real. no pores <laughs> like you're not real what the fuck is this i've been i'm a construct yeah all right, that was awesome like That's you need cool. some flaws like i don't understand <laughs> Alright, that was That's great. a great story. That's a wonderful story. Glad we did this. Alright, so I briefly want to touch on, like, a short prison break one, because I read it, and I was like, this sounds like something out of a movie, but then the more I read about it, the more depressing it got, and so I decided, I'll just tell you the cool parts. Which could still be out of a movie. Movies this are depressing. This could still be part of the movie, but the thing is, like, okay, so this story is called, um, and it's known, very well known. It's called. The story is called. No, it's back from, uh, like, 2000. Um, so, so the 2000s is a recent. good time for breaking out of jail. Uh, apparently so. But it was these seven douchebags. Some had been in prison for murder. Some were sexual assault. Yikes. Some were like rapists. They're no, all, they're they're all, all shitty. No, they all need to die. They all suck and they belonged in prison. But, however, <laughs> the way they went about this was kind of like, it, it was straight out of an action movie. Like imagine like the villains, mm-hmm. you know, they finally get taken in and were... And that's how you end movie one, and then movie two starts. And this is, like, the first scene okay. Okay. of them getting out, Yeah. right? And you're like, oh, fuck, what are they going to do? So these motherfuckers put together a plan, seven of them, who, before prison, did not know each other. I need to interrupt you, because by bringing up Eliza Dushku, does that mean we again brought up Buffy this episode? That absolutely means we brought yes. up Buffy, because she said the word Faith. She plays Faith in Buffy. We cannot go through an She's Albanian, and she has to be in this movie about Vasilis Peliokostas. I don't know why we have to ask people to make this movie. I know! It should already be fucking made! Okay, sorry. Anyway. Alright, so, movie two. <laughs> the sequel. These motherfucking villains are about to get out. And this is how they do it. Because it's these seven guys that Spider-Man put in prison, because they all suck. And, um... So, they meet up there, and plan out this fucking escape where they beat the shit out of and tied up 13 people, which included officers... Unrelated inmates, Jesus, um, guards, like l- fucking leaders, fucking of everyone, their shit. just fucking everybody. They tied them up, and then four of them took their like uh, out their <gasps> uniforms, okay. and their badges and their IDs and all that good shit. And they two each went out to these two guard towers, okay. where the other three stayed back 
and they called in to distract the guard towers while these guys got in, where they proceeded to knock the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. And then they all piled into this car that they knew was, was delivering that day, and they got the fuck out of Dodge. Wow. Yeah. Which is insane. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot to process. Yeah. But it sounded like a fucking movie escape. Yeah, it doesn't even sound possible that they just tied everyone the fuck up. Yeah, they beat the shit out of everyone, tied up, took their uniforms, and, like, straight up movie style, went to these guard towers, had the other three distracting them with the other radios. It's stories like this is the reason why they're like, yeah, guards need to have, like, electricity sticks. I'm pretty sure they did. (laughs) Like, this is 2000. We're not in the fucking... You know. 2000 is an era where, like, we were like, yeah, technology, but it hadn't truly moved over yet. Okay, so we just had, like, big sticks. You know what I mean? But not the kind that went, Bzz. Like, <laughs> like, not all prisons had the same amount of money going into it. Fair enough. So, like, I'm sure certain high-security prisons, absolutely, but maybe some lower... Like, what state did this happen in? Texas. There's a Texas 7. Well, no, I imagine Texas being going big, so I don't know. Yep. But also, I mean, they did go big. They went hard. But then they, they got out, and they immediately started robbing people and, like, shot someone. It was Yeah, the see, they didn't go home. No, yeah, no, they stayed That's out. That's the thing. You gotta go big and then go home. They were free for a month. You only go big or go home if you're not criminals. <laughs> yeah. You go big and then go home if you're a criminal. Right. This is how I view that. I feel like you went big, you went too far big, and now you should probably and go home. And now prison is your home. Now you should probably go home. Go there. Yeah. Um, but that was my short little spiel. And then they, oh, they so they all got, so like, all um, seven of them got captured Okay, all again? seven of them got captured, six of them went back to jail, one of them killed himself before he went back to prison because he was like, fuck that. See what I mean about this story becoming very depressing? Yeah, real, real depressing real fast. Yeah. And the, yeah. the, there's one guy who's on death row who's, like, giving up all these confessions and stuff, like, currently. So, mm. this is why I didn't want to spend a lot of time on it, because it's not, like, I understand. their I understand. getaway was but their interesting. their getaway was crazy, but also, like, fuck them, I hope they all suffer. They're all yeah, fucking fuck murderers them all. and like, rapists and fuck, fuck off. And you kept doing it when you got out, which, like, like doesn't surprise anybody. Yeah. The dudes who escaped from Alcatraz were all... One thing that's interesting is the one dude who I don't have his background on, like, I don't know why he was in prison, which I suspect is murder, is the only one of the group who didn't successfully escape Alcatraz, so uh-huh. I'm cool with that. The other dudes were all in prison just for bank robbery, which, yes, bank robbery is horrible, but, like, at the same time... Hard I'm not, times. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you you should die because you robbed a bank. I will tell you you should die if you murdered and raped people. Yes, agreed. That's how I feel. That's my cutoff. Rob do a bank. To others. Maybe you can be rehabilitated. Don't do that again. Murder and rape people? Fuck off. Something's broken. Fuck off. Something is broken in your brain. I, I don't... No. Bye. You had your chance at being human and you, you lost it. Bye. You fucked it up. You had you one lost You it. had one job. You had one job. One job and you fucked it up. So, um, I'm gonna try to go through the Alcatraz prison a little quick, unless you wanna go ahead and cover your second one before I do that. Well, how long is it? Well, a lot goes into their break and I know it, there's a lot of text, but I'm really gonna summarize a lot of it. I don't know, what do you think? I don't know. I really, I really couldn't Flip tell a you. coin. What? Are we flipping a coin? I don't even I'm have a coin. I'm fine with coins. Flip something. 
I mean, I'll, I'm going to make now sure. I just want to flip some. I'm going to make sure both are in there. So. Cool. Does it really matter? No, it really doesn't matter. Okay. Go. All right. Go. The Alcatraz prison, which was built in 1934, is on Alcatraz Island. It's on an island a mile away. Well, really a mile and one-fourth of a mile away from San Francisco. Fun fact, we were two. What? Kind of. 1994. Nothing. It's fine. I was just talking about our birth. 1934. Oh, I thought you said 94. Okay, 34. Yeah, Alcatraz was not built in 1994. We were not born. Yeah, we were... (laughs) We were negative years old. Our parents weren't even born. (laughs) Whoops! Our grandparents, sure. Incorrectly. It's okay. 1934. Okay. Yeah, Alcatraz, a mile and a fourth away from San Francisco. They believe the prison was inescapable because it was surrounded by freezing water year-round. Uh, with very strong currents that lead out to sea. So they believe that even if anyone was able to get off, they wouldn't make it to land. Right. They didn't really have a lot of money to fix things at the time for prison. At the time, prisons were not money-making machines like they are today. Right. Uh, So they used prisoners as laborers. Right. In the dumbest way possible because I'm going to tell you the story and you're going to be like, how the fuck did they allow any of this? Because it's 1934. It's 1934. Whoa, 19, no, 1994. No, no, no. This story takes place in 1962. Oh. So oh. this place had been in operation for roughly 30 years before this escape happens. Oh. Because no one, because honestly, all of the vents are closed off with concrete. 1962. John William England and his brother Clarence England were serving time together for robbing a bank. A dude named Frank Morris, who had been in and out of jail since he was 13, was also serving time for robbing a bank. And then lastly, Alan West, the last of the crew. He was, I don't know what he was in prison for, but he was 33 at the time of the prison break, but had been serving time since he was 14. And the only reason why I could think they would keep a minor in prison from the time of 14 to 33 is like... Insane, brutal murder. Yeah, or conspiracy, maybe? I don't know, but uh, the whole prison break was um, Alan West's idea, which makes sense because he was there the longest. I'm sorry, every time you say that, I hear Adam West. Adam West. His name is (laughs) Alan West. Right. It was his idea, which makes sense because he knows most of the building more than everyone else. now he's Batman. But now he's Batman, So, which is fine. Um, so West discovered a vent cover that might not be sealed over with concrete in, um, cell block B and approached Morris saying that they could probably go through it to get to the roof of the prison. So West was also working with the cell house maintenance crew through this whole, the prisoners or laborers. Like they literally had them do every single job in the prison outside of being a guard and like punishment. They were, they were, like, building the place. They were doing everything, right? Right. So, um, he was doing cell house maintenance, meaning he knows the fucking map of the goddamn prison. Which doesn't sound smart. No, it doesn't. It gave him insight on the building structure, layout, and its weaknesses. So, the England brothers joined in on the plan, and the four of them put in formal requests to be moved together in their own cells next to each other in cell cell block 3B, not 3, in cell block B under this unsealed vent. And it was approved! They were all fucking moved, 
and their own goddamn like this prison sounds like a fucking joke to me when I was reading this. I was like, are you kidding me? Well, it sounds like they didn't take it seriously because they were like, oh, it's impenetrable and nobody's ever yeah. gonna get out. So fuck it. Who cares? So if they were they just be like, yeah, buddies. I guess it sounded like this prison was a fucking community apparently. But yeah, they were all moved literally next to each other, just uh-huh. four cells next to each other, in cell block cell block B near this vent. They came up with this big master plan, and I'm going to go through the steps of the plan as it happened in the jailbreak. So, phase one was deception. The men created painted dummy heads of themselves made from plaster-like mix of soap, concrete, and other various materials, complete with human hair, because Clarence was working in the prison as a barber, cutting all the dude's hair and had access to human hair trimmings. So these heads were used to make it look like they were still asleep in bed the morning of the escape. So phase one was make your bed look like there's you're still sleeping in right. it. Okay, phase two, the actual breakout part. So each one of their cells next to the toilet had this little vent next to it where the vent was five inches by nine and a half inches vent which obviously they can't fit through that, but um, West, who had been there for so long, knew that on the other side of the vent, because he knew the map of the fucking prison, knew that there was, like, a hallway there that wasn't guarded, because why would it be? There's no cells over there. And that pretty much if they make the area wider, they can go through the vent area, the vent starts a hole for them and then they like drilled holes around it to break through the wall, the weak parts of the wall so they could fit through. So they started doing, drilling these little holes with (laughs) spoons, like they would just use spoons. And then one of them literally made a drill from a vacuum cleaner motor. All right, smart ass. Yeah. And so the holes made it possible to remove that whole section of the wall well, you'd think you'd, you'd think the guards would notice a hole in the wall, right? Right. Well, 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 these men were so smart and request musical instruments to play in their cell, which they were appeased with. They'd give them guitars and shit, and they would use that in giant pieces of cardboard to cover the areas, because that's not fucking suspicious to have a giant piece of cardboard. Not to these guards. Because <laughs> they're fucking... D- they're like, nothing bad can happen here. I fucking guess. I guess in the guards' minds, they were like, well, even if they made it out, where they're going to go? I also am imagining, like, I'm imagining, like, a prisoner sitting in prison, like, playing a guitar or something, like, really badly, and the other people being like, God, stop. Which you know happened. <laughs> you know it happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you know if they were questioning instruments, the guards are going to expect them to play them. Right. You know? <laughs> It's like, <laughs> and like five-year-old Kelly on a guitar. Oh gosh, just beating it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so the holes led to a utility corridor located directly behind their cells. I keep my words. Their cells uh-huh. left unguarded. Uh-huh. From there, they were able able to climb up to a hidden landing above. Their cell block. So basically, the way the building was, was this is their cell block. There was corridor. There was a pipe that goes up along the wall. And they're able to climb that up into this 
hidden section part of the building. Okay. And um, the reason why they know about that section is, where is it? Sorry. West. That's what it was. Yes. Batman. Batman. So they know about this place because prisoners had been working in that place on the pipes (laughs) (laughs) for maintenance. (laughs) The real mystery about Alcatraz is... For several months. How did it not happen more? Yeah, actually. How did it not happen more often? And they knew about the area because West had been working there, working on the pipes, and he had this area by the wall that he had been exposing the pipe so it was easier to climb it, but he asked that he get blankets to hang up right above his workspace because so much dust was just, like, coming down into the ground floor and... The guards didn't want that because they'd have to clean it. So they approved him hanging a bunch of blankets, blocking <sighs> off view of that entire fucking area. These dudes built a makeshift periscope so one of them would always be on lookout if someone was coming towards them. And they used that area as a workshop space to build shit, like the dummy heads and all the other right. things and the little vacuum drill. How many people got fired? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I lost my place again. Yeah, they had been working there in secret for several months. A couple of the escapees had been given permissions to do maintenance work. West got approved to hang blankets. This area became their workshop. Yeah, okay. So they exposed the pipe successfully enough for them to be able to climb it up to that said little vent that wasn't sectioned off. And the vent would open up directly to the roof and they could climb up it. So, once they had that all exposed, phase three was escaping the actual fucking island. How are they going to get across the water? Well, over the course of months, they stole over 50 raincoats. There's a ton of prison-issued raincoats, and what they did was they built life preservers in a full raft out of these raincoats that they had collected over time in this little workshop area. And they stitched together all of them. They even vulcanized the rubber raincoats by holding... Is it vulcanized or vulcanized? When you, like, melt the rubber with steam to make sure nothing can get through it. Oh, I have no idea. Fuck. It's one of those words. Whatever. We'll look it up and then put in the right one later. We'll look it up. (laughs) Uh, The rubber raincoats by holding the steams up to the heat of the steam pipes. So that way no air would get through. It would be melted down. And so they climbed down a pipe on the side of the building. So they climbed up the pipe. They brought their makeshift raft. They brought makeshift life preservers they had built for themselves. And a couple of the instruments they requested were accordions, which they (laughs) modified to use as air pumps for life preservers and the raft. All right. So... They deserve to get out. I know. They deserve to get out. So they climb up the pipe. They go out the thing. It's like 1030 at night when they make their initial escape, right? They go up. They get on the roof. They climb down a pipe on the side of the building, which honestly, that getting out on the side of the building was a huge guess. They really didn't know how they were going to do that. But luckily, there was a pipe they could climb down, inflated the raft, but the thing with the raft is that it was so makeshift, they would have had to keep using the accordion to keep it inflated as they were in the water. 
And so the plan was to raft to Angel Island, which is an island two miles north of the prison. And from there, it trapped across Raccoon Street, a half, which was Angel Island, was a half mile away from mainland. Mm-hmm. So that way they could get there. And uh, Adam West, I typed Adam West. Yes! Because I Batman. literally typed in Adam West. It's Alan West. But yes, Adam West <laughs> was left behind the escape because he couldn't get out of his initial vent in his cell. Aww. And he is the one who informed the prison and the cops on the details of the elaborate plan wow. after the fact. Oh, what a dick. Well, it was all his plan. I'm sure he's very salty. I'm sure he's very butthurt, but come on, But Batman. I'm also pretty sure he was the only murderer of the group. Oh, he murdered. Okay, never mind. I don't care. So, whatever. They escaped roughly around 10.30 p.m. and weren't discovered missing until about 6, 7 a.m. So, they had been gone for quite some time before they realized to go look for them. So no one knows what happened to the escapees. They were never seen again, but there are some theories. Some people believe they died. And the reason why some people believe that they died is because the only way they could have kept the raft afloat is if the two men used the accordions to continue the airflow into the raft and only one man would be left to paddle and there's no rudder to change the direction. And it's really fucking strong currents. It was 47 degrees outside at the escape, making the water about 54 degrees. And if the raft failed, the men would have about two hours before losing consciousness. And um, a couple days, let's see, the escape was, escape was June, but I don't know when in June. I guess early June. June 12th, bits of wood. (gasps) What? My birthday? Oh! Oh! No, on June 12th. Bits of wood resembling a handmade paddle were found, named near Angel Island. June 14th, bags made from raincoats filled with family photos and notes from and phone numbers from the escapees were found halfway floating between Alcatraz and Angel Island. And soon after, two man-made life vests were found with the knots still tied in the water near the prison. Six weeks after the escape, a Norwegian cargo ship spotted a body in the water, but didn't report it until fall, so, like, who knows if that was related or not. Right. Like, people were trying to loosely relate it, but honestly, so many murders happened at the time. Who fucking knows? It's the 60s and 70s. Everyone's dead. Everybody's dead or killing. So, uh, here's why I think the reasons they may have lived. No bodies were found at all, and bodies in that water at that time would have been floating somewhere. Right. Right? Somewhere. They would not, yeah. They don't just go, Um, Yeah. And to this day, a triathlon is held in the same area with the same distance in the same weather conditions, and people are able to swim that distance. Fuck. Fine. What? I mean, they they plant. They, they trained for it, yeah. but they said that very rarely has anyone not ever finished it, though, so it's very possible to absolutely swim that. That gives me nightmares. Yeah. Slimmer, that's, ugh. Maybe that's but a we don't know. But we don't know the physical shape those dudes were in, but here's the thing. If they were working as hard as they were in the prison, they might they might have been in very good physical shape. No, well, probably. You know? In prison, you don't have much to do but work on your body, so, you know... The Anglin brothers also, they had an older brother named Robert, and Robert confessed on his deathbed to the rest of his family that John and Clarence had been in contact with him and that they are okay. 
and their mother would sometimes receive roses with their signatures on it. So pretty much if they did survive, if these three dudes did survive, they did not commit any more crimes because there were no robberies or any similar crimes tied to what put them in Alcatraz. They're like, we're out, we're after. not going back. We were Pretty too much. Hard. Yeah, no, honestly, pretty much. So it seemed like they escaped and were like, we're on the run, peace, I'm not going the fuck back. Like, it seemed like they learned their lesson, and I'm very okay with that. Damn. Yep, and that is the prison break of Alcatraz, which Sweet. is so interesting, because they fucking built a raft out of raincoats. Also, that prison was stupid. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're dummies. Yes, let's give our prisoners access to blueprints of the fuck. It's basically the essential, like, the essential idea of it is this prison is like Titanic. <laughs> Nothing can go yeah. wrong. Oh, God, and honestly. the fucking iceberg. All right, yeah. sweet. Um, but they were the only prison break of Alcatraz as well, though. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, they committed. They committed hard as fuck. Hold on. All right, tell me your thing. All right, so I decided my last one was too depressing and sad. And oh, no! Which was the Texas 7 that I told you about. Oh, okay. So um, I found one that I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it was back during World War II when uh, fucking Hitler was a fucking piece of shit. I know you said Hitler. But for a moment, I swear, I thought you said Hillary. Hillary. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck, Kelly? Whoa, what are you associating? Look, uh, I know Epstein <laughs> didn't kill himself, but Jesus. <laughs> I'm glad we could work a meme in here. Uh, <laughs> there's this guy, uh, Roger, Roger Bushell. Uh, he was a Royal Air Force pilot who had been shot down over France while assisting with the evacuation of Dunkirk, which, fun fact, there's a movie about, and I'm pretty sure it came out recently. Anyway, Bouchot was nicknamed Big X, <laughs> and he escaped twice from German uh, prisoner war camps. Wow, what? Yeah. Um, so he was sent to uh, what the Nazis believed to be one of their most secure facilities, which was uh, Stalag Luft Three. At this camp, a hundred miles southeast of Berlin, the Nazis had taken measures to prevent tunneling, such as raising prisoners' huts off the ground and burying microphones nine feet underground along the camp's perimeter fence. In addition, the camp was built atop sandy ground, though uh, through which it would be extremely difficult to tunnel because it would just, you know, collapse down. However, Bouchard was like, oh, hell no, I'm not staying here. And not only that, I'm going to get my buddies out. Because this was like a prisoner of war camp. Yeah. They're all just like being held because the Nazis got them. And he's like, fuck this. Fuck them. We're getting out. 600 prisoners got together and decided that they were going to work on tunnel construction to get the fuck out of this place. Hell yeah. 600, which is crazy to me. And you know they were all sick and starving and dying too. Yeah. So like that's a lot of and even dedication. Then, that's 600 people with the goal of 200 getting out. So they knew from the start that not everyone was going to make it. Yeah. Like it was going to be a shit ton of work and not everyone was going to get out, not all 600, but they were like, fuck that, we're still going to put in the effort because we can't let everyone it's, stay here. It's better some than none. Exactly. Which is really cool, you know, that people would be that selfless. Anyway, so in the spring of 1943, 
Uh, Bouchelle and some others began working on this plan to construct three tunnels with the code names of Tom, Dick, and Harry, <laughs> which I love. They would stretch over 300 feet to outside the camp's perimeter fence. And uh, they figured that the penalty for this would be like 10 days in solitary confinement. So they're like, fuck it, we're doing this. Like, yeah. let's go all in anyway. If worse comes to worse, then we'll just be put in confinement. Inside Hut 104, the prisoners of war began building uh, the Harry Tunnel. Uh, it included a bunch of British airmen as well as Americans, Canadians, and Australians, French, and Allied pilots. Um, they went for days chipping away at the building support columns to avoid being seen working underneath the huts. And uh, from a trap door concealed below a uh, heating... Oh, wait, sorry. Sorry, I had to kill this <laughs> I know, it's been bothering me too. I think I got it. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> Uh, from a trapdoor concealed below a heating stove, always kept uh, lit to discourage the Nazi guards from getting too close, they burrowed down 30 feet in order to be out of range of the microphone. So they knew that the microphones were down 9 feet. They're just like, we're just going to go 30. Be extra careful. Yeah. Right. Um, which is so much work. <laughs> okay, so they worked in claustrophobic conditions. Uh, these tunnels were, like, maybe two feet squared. They had to, like, fucking just wriggle around down there, which sounds horrifying. Yeah. Um, Honestly, though, it gets to a point where you're like, well, I'm probably going to die here, so yeah. dying there isn't that much better or worse. Right. But they excavated 100 tons of sand. Which they stuffed into their socks and then discreetly sprinkled out into the garden uh, to be raked by other prisoners. Wow. So they were just, like, going bit by bit, stuffing their socks and then just being like, sprinkle, sprinkle. <laughs> yeah, like, it took That's so not many. a lot at a time, too. Yeah. Took so many. But if everyone's doing that, though, then it'll... Spread out by 600 people. Yeah, no, then that's a substantial amount of dirt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um... So the diggers stripped to their long drawns or took off all their clothes so that the bright golden sand wouldn't stain them. So they were just thinking of everything. They're like, once we get out of here, we're going to look golden and we don't want to do that. So they would either get their long drawns dirty long drawns, or just get naked and be like, we'll shower later, I guess. So the prisoners scavenged and stole materials for the operation. They stripped 4,000 wooden bedboards to build ladders and to shore up the sandy walls to prevent collapse. They basically just annihilated all of their beds and were like, yeah. this is for the cause, you know? Yeah, what the fuck? Right? Um, they stuffed uh, 1,700 blankets against the walls to muffle sounds. They converted 1,400 powdered milk tin cans into digging tools and lamps and then they fashioned wicks from pajama cords, uh, burned in mutton fat, skimmed off the greasy soup they were served. They used everything they possibly could. Eventually, some prisoners stole a wire that they then hooked up to a fashioned crude air pump system built in part with hockey sticks and constructed an underground trolley system. Hockey sticks. I guess they were provided weird this is i don't know where this is germany <laughs> i assume in a world where 
World War II? Stragler? I imagine it's Germany. Yeah, I assume Germany. I mean, I assume I, Maybe Germany, they just I don't know. really love hockey. Um, anyway, the Canadian World War II German camps, you know. Right. They fashioned a crude air pump system, built in part with hockey sticks, and constructed an underground, underground trolley system pulled by ropes to transport the sand with switchover stations. Um, named after two London landmarks, uh, Piccadilly Circus and Leicester Square. So they had a fucking system set up. This is 1942, by the way. Jesus. I mean, they had... Well, here's the one thing that's really impressive is that so many people were involved and the guards still didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. Like, none of them got caught. And that's really fucking impressive. That and the fact that nobody fucking snitched. Yeah. 600 people. 600 people. And nobody said a fucking word. Damn. Which is insane. Which, this is the part where that makes that even crazier, is two years later they are still at it. Nobody has said anything. In two years they are just working hard as fuck. And I'm going to take a sip. All right. In 44, Tunnel Harry was complete. And all that was left was for um, Bushel to uh-huh. break through the last piece of earth. One by one, the prisoners, dressed in civilian clothes and carrying forged documents, mm-hmm. lay down on the rope-operated wooden trolley and were pulled through the two-foot square tunnel to their escape. I can't believe a two-foot square. Two foot. You know, we could barely fit through a two-foot square tunnel, right? Barely. Yeah, these motherfuckers are, like, stretched out, hard as fuck, and tight, 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 tight corners. Because, I mean, it's sand, too. They can't risk it falling apart, and they, all they have is fucking bedposts to keep it up. <sighs> this is making me sick. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's not. It's just that idea of it. It's like, can you imagine? It's just a horrible, oh, fucking terrifying. But I guess it was better than being a prisoner of war, which I don't fucking blame them. Fewer than a dozen men made it through every hour. And then there was a one-hour blackout. Um, during a midnight air raid that slowed everything down even more. So these guys are fucking committed. And then the worst timing possible, yeah. they get hit with an air raid. Oh, my gosh. Um, around 5 a.m., this is where it turns shitty. Sorry. But uh, around 5 a.m., a, ger- a German, shol- uh, German soldier on patrol nearly fell into the exit shaft. <gasps> no. Yeah, and he discovered the tunnel. Um, the prisoners inside scrambled back to the hut and burned their forged documents while the Nazis mobilized a massive manhunt. Um, they erected roadblocks, increased border patrols, and searched hotels and farms within two weeks. So, at this point, 76 people got away. 73 were captured, which sucks. Only three got away. Only um, three got away? Yeah, only three men successfully fled to safety. Two Norwegians who stowed away on a freighter to Sweden... Um, and a Dutchman who went by rail and foot and ended up in Gibraltar. And then Hitler was so pissed off about the whole thing because, of course, it got to him. Um, He ordered the execution of 50 of the 73 escapees as a warning to other prisoners. And it uh, violated the Geneva Conventions, which was like the 10 days in solitary confinement thing. What the fuck? Yeah. So they all believe they would just get 10 days of solitary confinement when 50 of them are killed. Yeah, exactly. And then oh. Bouchel and his buddy Bull, they drove them to remote locations because they got, this is fucking admirable. Bouchel is the one who came up with all of this plan and put it all together and got all these people involved and got all 600 people to cooperate together. 
and he didn't he wasn't one of the escapees he like helped a bunch of other people get out but he was discovered and him and his buddy who were working hand in hand they got drove out to remote locations and they were murdered um so oh my god yeah so three people escaped three people escaped out of 600 yeah but the upside of that is um once it was found out that they had violated the geneva Mm -hmm. whatever conventions um they found 18 nazi soldiers guilty of violating it and 13 of them were executed so well, that's good. It's a silver lining. I guess. Um, 13 lives for 50, but whatever. Yeah. Or 50 plus if they continuously did that. No, I mean, as far as I know, they didn't continuously do it. They they wanted to make an example out of them mm-hmm. with the 50, and then they included Bouchal and. So I remember well. there was there was one other... I just remembered earlier about my thought process of what I wanted the topic to be earlier today. Uh-huh. was I saw another story that inspired the jailbreak theme for me was an episode of Mythbusters. Oh, shit. I saw a long-ass time ago. Fucking Mythbusters. About a dude. Is that still going? I don't know. I really hope so. It's about a dude who broke out of a prison with salsa. With salsa? Yeah. And uh, what sucks is I typed in Escaping prison with salsa, and the only thing that comes up, it's a rumor. Fuck! I really wanted it to be real. Oh, I really wanted it to be real. There's a rumor in 1996 that a Mexican prisoner, Juan Lopez, escaped his cell by dissolving his cell bars with salsa. It took him six years and was never seen again. Mythbusters, because salsa is very acidic, and because he's in Mexico, at every lunch, dinner, whatever, they would have salsa as part of... Their meal. their meal, and he would not eat it and collect it, and he would just put it on the bars and let it dissolve over time because salsa is acidic. Right. So Mythbusters wanted to try this, so they tested the pH levels on different salsas, finding out that mild sauces had higher pH levels, but they didn't have six years to find out if it would work, so they sped up the process uh, by passing an electric DC current through the salsa to draw electrons from the negatively charged steel rod through the salsa into a copper wire, which made the iron rust. After four months, the bar was almost completely rusted through, determining the myth was absolutely plausible. Huh. And so I just remembered that was another fun fact I wanted to mention in this episode is that a man allegedly escaped prison in Mexico using salsa. That would be great. You know what else I heard is that there was a man, um, I can't remember where or why, but he was a yoga instructor, and he straight up escaped jail like three times by like getting out of the fucking bars <laughs> using yoga. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. You know, you never hear about yogis going to prison. You don't because they're not. Except that one time, the girl who worked at Lululemon. You remember the story? Who? The Lululemon murder. <gasps> what? You don't remember the Lululemon murder? No. Okay, number one, Lululemon is a cult. What? Number two. My mother might be part of this. What is this? <laughs> How do you not know about the Lulu? Lulu I haven't cult? heard anything about this. What you literally? 
I, heard, I like Lululemon. I heard about this on something you listen to regularly. <laughs> I and I am I am so confused Where as to how you don't know this. Okay, from. so back in you know what? I'm just gonna type in Lululemon murder no! and let me see what happens. Uh, and I'll tell you why it's a cult. Lulu why? I should have talked about it on our fucking cult episode. <laughs> It was in 2011. In 2011, this one girl, these two girls, they both worked in a Lululemon store. Uh-huh. One of the girls murdered the other one and tried to make it look like someone broke in and injured both of them. And the girl who was murdered had, like, a stupid amount of wounds. Like, 36 stab wounds or something like that. Like, it was just ridiculous. What? Yeah. Okay, so where's the cult part coming from? Well, that's just a separate thing. I just consider the Lumina cult, and there's some reasons why. Why? Because their their outfits are so comfy and perfect for exercise. And They're bullshit. An exercise cult. The fact that they upsell cheap materials. Okay. Well, look. But anyways. Who doesn't? <laughs> so the Lululemon murder. Brittany Norwood was convicted of the first degree murder of a coworker, Jaina, in Bethesda, Maryland. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say, like, 36? I meant to say 300 injuries. What? <laughs> Inflicting over 300 injuries, including head trauma and stab wounds. Murray died in the store's back hallway, after which Norwood staged a crime scene to claim that intruders had raped both women and killed Murray. The prosecution was barred from introducing evidence that Murray had accused Norwood of shoplifting. The whole thing started with... An accusation of shoplifting, meaning the murderer was the one being accused of sho- of shoplifting, meaning she probably fucking shoplifted the store if she murdered someone over the accusation. Right. The defense argued for a conviction of second-degree murder, claiming the attack was not premeditated. The case received intense media coverage and was commonly referred to as the Lululemon murder. In 2012, Norwood was sentenced to life imprisonment with no possibility of parole. And in a published opinion in 2015, the Court of Special Appeals of Maryland rebuffed Norwood's request for a new trial, effectively ending Norwood's direct appeal options. So she's going to be in prison for life. And she literally tied herself up and, like, stabbed herself a couple times and lied there for hours waiting for someone to find them to make it look like she was attacked too so now i'm gonna look up why is lululemon a cult i need to know if i'm part of it or not you're probably not working there as a cult not (laughs) buying their stuff oh okay fuck lululemon culture remains cult-like amidst ceo scandal cult-like how are we talking like jared leto cult no or (laughs) The founder is an Ayn Rand fan, and the company takes its values from Atlas Shrugged, and for a while, they required the employees to read Atlas Shrugged. Huh. Which is bizarre. Wilson believes the birth control pill and smoking are responsible for high divorce rates, and the existence of Lululemon itself. What? What? I don't know. Here's what Wilson says of his company's origins. Women's lives change immediately after the pill. Men did not know how to relate to the new female. Thus came the era of divorces. What does that have to do with clothes? With divorce and publicity around equality, women in the 70s and 80s found themselves operating as power women. I just want to do yoga comfortably. The media convinced women that they could win at home and be a man's equal in the business world. Women 
put in 12 hours, 12 hour work days, attempted to keep a clean and orderly house and give their children all the love they had pre-divorce. What they gave up, however, was their social life, exercise, balance, and sleep. <laughs> I just want to do yoga. <laughs> I don't understand. Ultimately, Lululemon was formed because female education levels, breast cancer, yoga athletics, and the desire to dress feminine came together all at one time. Wilson created the name Lululemon because he thinks Japanese people can't say the letter L. And I've read this. I've read that fact on multiple articles. Wait, so... He, he wanted it difficult for Asians to be able to say the name. Why? I don't know. They're racist. But he told Canada's National Post Business Magazine, it's funny to watch them try and say it. When asked about his views on the Japanese pronunciation of the company's name. In 2009, he wrote, It was thought that a Japanese marketing firm would not try to create a North American-sounding brand with the letter L because the sound does not exist in the Japanese phonetics. By including an L in the name, it was thought the Japanese consumer would find the name innately North American and authentic. In essence, the name Lululemon has no roots and means nothing other than it has three L's in it, nothing more, nothing less. So the meaning behind the name is, well, Japanese people will say it funny, and they'll see that it's North American and that they'll want to buy it more. Well, it's too expensive anyway. It's $200 for yoga pants. Do you remember the seaweed scandal? What are these scandals? No, How do you not anything, know about Lululemon? If you don't, if you say something that's going to make me not eat seaweed, I will be very mad. No, it has nothing to do with eating seaweed. But I remember this. Lululemon for a while claimed they had these special seaweed-infused leggings that would help burn your fat faster. So scientists were like, that makes zero that fucking make sense. Any sense. Yeah. But they were selling these bad, these fucking puppies for like 300 bucks for fucking leggings. So some scientists were like, that sounds like absolute bullshit, and did a test of the fabric to see if it was any different from any other pair of yoga pants, only to find that they were exactly the same and zero traces of anything related to seaweed. And they had to pull all of them from sale. Because they're basically just the Abercrombie of yoga. They're like, we don't want poor people to wear this. Well, my mom's going to be crushed. Well, you know what? <laughs> They're really good at branding. I guess that's what it is. They're really good at branding. They're also really good at making bags. I'm sure they are, <laughs> just like Victoria's Secret is. Okay. Victoria's Secret has me so confused on what the fuck my boob size is. Like, literally, I went What to, are you? <laughs> I, I'm so fucking confused because I go there and I'm like, what's my boob size? And they're like, one month, you're a D. One woman was trying to push double D on me. The next month I go, honey, you're a B. And I'm like, bitch, grab me a B bra and grab me a D bra and we'll see what fits. Plot twist, they both do. How? I don't <laughs> fucking know. What is this sorcery? I found one B bra that fit me and I was like, oh my God, yeah, I lost weight. I guess I'm a size B now. So I go and I collect a shit ton of B bras. All of them, I am filling up over. And I'm like, these, none of these fit. I'm so confused. Why does this one B bra fit and none of these others fit at all? And then I think to myself, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try a D bra just to see. Fits perfectly. And I'm like, what the fuck is this sorcery? I'm so confused. Victoria's Secret sizes are just 
a, it's a Russian roulette. It's a roulette. You don't know what you're going to get. They're all lies. They but don't make if you sense. But if you go on Amazon, they'll have hand pads built into them. <laughs> <laughs> what? And now it's the only thing I'll buy. Hand pads? They're literally like prints of hands that are just like go. They just like, hold them up. They just hold them. And they work. And I'm just like, this feels nice. Link it's, these bras to me. because I, I have to send them to you. I have one that has like a little fucking like corset type that I pull it tight and it just goes. Oh, boom. I know that one because I have. I love it. I have a bikini top like that. I love it. I am confusion. Explain, America. Explain. Why? Why is B-bra also fit as D-bra? I it's don't understand. It's they just want to sell bras. They're like, we'll tell you anything you want as long as you buy what we want you to buy. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Sorry we haven't been able to communicate with you directly, but that's what the fuck's up. That's how it be. That's just how it is. When we on Wednesdays, that's what it is. America explained bra sizes. What are they? We never introduced the podcast. We, whatever. I'm hoping by now they know what this is. They clicked it. They know the title. I'm Katie Adkins. <laughs> I'm Kelly Reed. This is Quote on the Macabre. Keep it creepy. And keep it fucking creepy. Music by freestockmusic.com.